And I think you understand. I think Otto said it well. You know, uh, we're missing everybody. This we're weary. Uh, Nate Nate made the he he noticed our room is set up. We I mean we were getting ready to open our doors, and uh, sadly this season this dang season of misfortune is still with us. So it's the season that I'm miserable about and the people in my life are helping me through it. So thank you very much. COVID-19 is back on the rise in the US. Uh, I mean, I'd rather just ignore it, but we have a 181,801 new cases. Like we're back where we were, but worse in, in March. We've had 1,364 new deaths in a day. That's just like, that's awful. This is miserable. Since January 21st, 2020, this, the, the, the past nine months, that's what's so incredible about this. 10,690,655 folks in the U.S. have been infected and 243,580 have died in nine months. I'm miserable. That's a season of misery. In Comal County, Susan read to me this morning, the COVID cases, the active cases, uh, more than doubled in the past two weeks. And like I was saying, we were just, I mean, we were, we'd gotten down to 5%. We were waiting for two weeks and we were going to open the door. And now I'm back to being miserable. I'm sad. We haven't broken free of this infection. And with this infection comes recommendations for distancing. We're asked to step, step back from each other. And for good reason. Now, I'm not saying don't, we need to keep doing that. But, dang, I, I'm getting tired of distance. You know, I really miss uh, time together with our community. I'm really missing hugs. So we are delaying our in-person services. The positivity rate in our county is back over 10%. So that brings us into the highest transmission zone. So for the well-being of our community and the desire to help our city and our health professionals, we'll once again push our reopen plans to a later date. But I don't like it. I'm miserable waiting. And added to that, Thanksgiving's coming. And the recommendation for us is to think smaller for our gatherings, not larger. Earlier in the summer, Susan and I thought about traveling to Montana for a family Thanksgiving with Renee, Adam, Lars, and Anson. But traveling's discouraged right now. I'm, I, I'm miserable. Uh, this is a season of misfortune. So enough of my pity party. How about you? How about you? And what do we do? What do we do when we're stuck in what seems to be a miserable cycle? What do we do? How do we handle the misfortune?
Well, I'm grateful that God speaks to us. And I'm grateful that the foundation for God speaking to us is a book. And it's a book that I can read. And as I read that book, that series of books, that library of books, God speaks. And one of the things he said through James, he asked the question, same question I just asked, are you miserable? <laughs> are you miserable? Are you, are you hurting? And then he gives a one-word answer, pray. Are you miserable? Are you hurting? Pray. When we're miserable, we need to pray. Is this, in this season of misery, is this a season of prayer for us? I'm sure that you know, if we were having this conversation, I'm, I'm, some of you would say, well, yeah, duh, prayer, come on. You know, be more profound than that. But the question is, do we practice prayer when we're hurting? And then I thought about, regardless of the size of Thanksgiving, we're going to be gathering with family members, and are we ready to pray for our family members and our friends when we get together in a holiday season? There's going to be a relative, there's going to be a close friend, and they're going to start out saying, I'm miserable. I'm hurting. Are we ready to pray for them? Maybe not. So what I want to do this morning is I want to hope, uh, my hope is to encourage us in the ministry of prayer of simply praying for one another in a season that is difficult. So James goes on to say more. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you, do you feel great? Then sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders to pray and to anoint you with oil in the name of the Master. Believing prayer, the prayer of faith, will heal you. The Lord Jesus will put you on your feet. The Lord will raise you up and answer those prayers. If you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed, inside and out. Make this your common practice. I want to underline that. Make this your common practice. Confess. That simply means admit. Admit your sins to each other and pray for each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us. Highlight that. Human just like us. Prayed hard that it wouldn't rain. It didn't. Not a drop of rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. The showers came, and everything started growing again. You know, we want, as a community, to make prayer, praying for one another, our common practice. Fortunately, praying for one another is within the DNA of the vineyard. I want to remind us of some of our vineyard history as I encourage us 
to hold on to this common practice of praying one another. Early in the beginning of the vineyard, John Wimber, the founder, decided to study the Gospel of Luke. And as, as the church studied the Gospel of Luke, it became very obvious that Jesus healed the sick. When Jesus came upon somebody that was sick, he had compassion for them, he laid their hands on them, and he prayed for them. People brought sick people to him, and he prayed for them, and they were healed. And so for a, a year, uh, the first Vineyard Church read the Gospel of Luke, read the stories of Jesus healing the sick. They diligently prayed every Sunday for people that were sick, and nobody was healed. At the end of that year, there was a Sunday of frustration where the leaders of the church just said, this isn't fair. God, this isn't fair. We, we're preaching your word. We're not preaching our experience. We're preaching your word, and we're being faithful. We want to follow you. We want to do your stuff, Jesus, but nobody's healed. So they cried together. Monday morning, John got a call from one of the members of that first vineyard church. John, my wife is sick. And she really can't miss another day of work. Would you please come this morning and pray for her? And John, in his pastoral way, said, certainly, I'd be glad to. He hung up the phone and said, oh, great. God, they believe that this works. <laughs> Can't hold on to that attitude. So John drove, a little bit ticked, to this man's house. He went into the home. The husband took him into the bedroom. The wife is in bed. She's burning up with fever. And in John's words, he prayed a faithless prayer for her healing. Said amen. Turned, turned his back to the wife in bed and started explaining to the husband We've been praying for the sick for a whole year and nobody's ever been healed. <laughs> so I doubt that this is going to work. And while he's having that conversation, the husband begins to look around John and John's a little annoyed by that. He says, what are you, you know, so he turns around and the wife is standing up and John says this, what happened to you? <laughs> and she says, I'm healed. He said, what? <laughs> You're what? That's the beginning of the vineyard. That's how, that's how healing works in the vineyard. It tends to be a divine surprise. Now, I am so grateful for that heritage. You see, we're not, a, we're not, John didn't become a faith healer. You know, he didn't start, he didn't get a white suit and start traveling around. Uh, you know, that's not what, that wasn't it at all. He, he just, he recognized we want to practice what's in the New Testament. We want to follow Jesus. Sometimes we have to really pursue it a long ways, but when it happens, we want to be really grateful. John did have a conversation with Jesus when he left that home, and he saw a vision of a honeycomb in the sky, and God said, John, this is, this is a reminder of my mercy. Don't ever doubt my mercy. Ooh. What a great lesson. See, the answers to our prayer, when we pray for one, the answers to our prayers for one, that, that doesn't depend on us at all. 
We want to learn to develop this praying for one another as a reflex when one of us is hurting. And when, when that prayer becomes something that's natural for us, then it gives God the opportunity to do the supernatural in reply. We, we hold on to a principle called the natural supernatural. It takes natural for the supernatural to happen. The effective prayer of a righteous person is powerful, it's effective, it's dynamite, it works because God's the one that does the work. God's the one that does the miraculous. It's God. So let me remind you that Elijah, in James's mind, serves as a reminder of a normal person who prayed. And the results were incredible. As a reminder of you of Elijah's prayers, I, whenever I say Elijah's name in the next little series, you need to say human just like us. Okay, give it a, give it a try. Elijah. Good. Human just like us. Elijah. Stood in a throne room of an ancient king as an ambassador of the God of Israel. Elijah declared to that king that his realm would experience a devastating drought. Elijah had several conversations with God and he followed God's instructions. Elijah lived in the desert because God directed him there beside a brook and ravens, ravens delivered meals to him twice a day. Elijah promised a widow that her flour and oil would not run out when both were down to their very last serving. Elijah don't, don't, don't lose your enthusiasm, human, just like us. I'm trying to sell you on this. He prayed for the widow's son to revive from death, and he did. Elijah prayed, and God answered with rain after three and a half years of drought. You do not have to repeat, just like us beyond this point. But I want it to stick with us. Elijah was a normal human being just like us. Elijah, a human just like us, learned to pray whenever he encountered misery. Whenever he encountered hurt, suffering. Elijah, a human just like us, learned to listen to God and to respond in obedience. Elijah's prayers were effective and resulted in God doing powerful stuff for the people around him in need. So you and I, humans, just like Elijah, can make it our common practice to pray for one another. And I want to give us just, I just want to give us a few tips, some things that I've learned along the way 
based upon the DNA of the vineyard, kind of the prayer model that we follow. Again, in hopes that as we encounter family members and friends through this holiday season that are miserable like us, that we pray for them. One of the best ways to learn how to pray for others is to receive prayer for yourself. Are you miserable? Are you hurting? Ask somebody to pray for you. You see, when we begin to experience God's presence as somebody prays for us, then we begin to, to recognize that God is hearing our prayers. Well, that, that just really makes us want other people to have that same experience. Praying for people that are miserable means you've you got to become an active listener. Listen when people begin to express their misery. I know that there was someone this morning when I said I was miserable, you wanted to give me the rosy side of the story. That's just the way we're built. You know, we want to kind of, oh, no, look, let, me, let me lift you out. Of, let people stay in their misery for a bit. Listen to what they're saying. Ask a few questions. Let them tell you their story. And here's, here's one of the things that takes time, but you can do it. As you're listening to that person express their misery, also listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Become curious. Just say, Holy Spirit, what's really going on here? And as naturally as you can, ask that person that you're listening to a very, just, just make a very simple statement. I'm really sorry for this misery. May I pray for you right now? If the person says no, don't pray for them. <laughs> just, it's just that simple. Don't, you can still do it, but don't do it right then. They say yes, ask if you can rest your hand on their shoulder. Jesus healed the sick by touch. And the, the, the more you touch somebody and pray for them in the name of Jesus, you will have a sense of how the power of God begins to work through you. You, you will sense just this, this pulse of presence and power between you and that person. Touch is a really good thing. Pray with regular words. Ah, uh, you know... <laughs> you're bathed in the blood of Jesus. That's a true statement. But that probably in the moment's not going to mean much. You know, don't be churchy. I mean, oh God, help us not to be churchy. You know, and you might have learned a new theological word. Don't use that when you're praying for people. Just use normal words. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit to come. It is true, the Holy Spirit is already present, but when we say, Holy Spirit, come, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and to help us pray for whoever that person is. You can say that, Holy Spirit, come and help me pray for. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm doing. 
See, that I am, I am free to not know what I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm, I'm there. I know that the Holy Spirit wants me to partner with Him. But I'm not there knowing what's happening. The Holy Spirit, help me. When I'm weak, He's strong. Pray with your eyes open. That's one of the hardest things Susan is shaking her head to learn to do. And the reason you do that is because you can actually watch what the Holy Spirit begins to do. Not always. You don't always see. But sometimes you do. And the whole, again, you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can see what he's up to. Pray at a regular volume. You don't need to be loud. You know, God's not deaf. I mean, he's right there. You don't have to be too quiet either. Just use a normal voice, normal words, normal voice. Pray shorter, not longer. I'm, I mean, you, you got to avoid praying longer than the person can bear. Uh, I, I wish that we had the reputation, at, like the church in general, and in, in particular pastors, I wish we had a reputation of being people of few words, but we don't. We have a reputation of being wordy. Too many words. <laughs> Use fewer words. And then you don't ever want to, you know, you don't want to ever keep praying like when the Holy Spirit he comes, you'll sense him coming, and then you'll sense him leaving. Well, when the Holy Spirit leaves, it's really not a good idea to keep praying. Okay. That's, what are we doing? He's not there. So say amen. If the Holy Spirit gives you a word or a picture, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray in a tongue. I mean, you've got you to go with what the Holy Spirit's doing, not what your, what your script is. This is leaving your script at home and you and I following the Holy Spirit to pray for people. But if he does, you know, if he does those things, then include that in your prayer. If you believe that's the way that he's guiding, sometimes the Holy Spirit says something or shows you something but it's not to be repeated. It's to be included in your prayers. You know, can he trust us? With kind of those are treasures. I hope so. Say amen. Thank the person. Now, thanks for letting me pray for you. And let me know how you're doing in a week or so. And then you might have to do it again. Praying one time is not a prayer in faith. <laughs> Praying thousands of times is a prayer of faith. And then I think it's a great idea to keep a record of the people that you pray for, what you're praying. Because the Holy Spirit, with that record, he, he might keep you on call praying for that person beyond that initial prayer time. I hope those are helpful. I hope those are encouraging to you. Because when it comes down to it, we are striving to be a people of the kingdom of God 
who partner with the Holy Spirit. As we do that, we want to make praying for one another a common practice for our community with one another as well as extending it out to our neighbors all the way out to the nations. So may the Holy Spirit prepare us to pray for others through this Thanksgiving and Advent season, especially as COVID sticks with us and the misery that that's causing. So may I, just, I just want to pray a short prayer. If you'll pray with me. Come Holy Spirit. We want to partner with you in praying for one another. As we live in this season of misery and during this holiday season, as we get together with our extended family, remind us to look for opportunities to pray for others. Just kind of open our ears right now so that when our family member or our friend says, I'm miserable, I'm hurting, I'm sad, that, we, that just remind us that that's our invitation to listen and to possibly pray for that person. Let praying for others become natural for us so that we have the opportunity to give you place in response to our prayers to do that which is beyond our abilities, that which is supernatural. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Remind us that you're there to help us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to partner with you for the well-being of others. Amen. I look forward, would you uh, just kind of remember that we're going to kind of go in this season with this hope? Would you, uh, I just kind of look forward to a couple of us, a few of us, like telling stories. I did this, like I actually did this. I mean, the whole point of this is like to do this. And I'd love to hear your story of how this works.